you are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we are very honored to welcome to our show Alden Solovey, an American Israeli liturgist. Alden recently completed a trilogy of poetic prayer books published by the Central Conference of American Rabbis. And his latest is called This Precious Life, Encountering the Divine with Poetry and Prayer. And he joins us from his home in Jerusalem. Alden, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rabbi Neil, a pleasure. So since your latest book is Encountering the Divine with Poetry and Prayer, I think my obvious first question is, what is prayer to you? What is the nature of prayer to you? Yeah, thank you for that. Like any word that carries you know, so much meaning for different people, all I can do is answer you know, what prayer means for me. For me, prayer is an attempt to be in conversation with the divine. To hear, to speak, and to be in right relationship with God. What does that mean to be in right relationship? Well, it's a, again, uh, um, a big concept. It's understanding that I am a work of God, a creation of God, that I have a mission to accomplish here, that I am listening for God's voice and I'm attempting to do what God wants from me in the world. And part of being in right relationship is not being bigger than I am and not being smaller than I am, right-sized before God. That's wonderful. How do we know? Because so many people struggle with um, overconfidence or underconfidence. So many people suffer from hubris or suffer from being held back. How do we determine how we can truly be ourselves? What, what's that voice that tells us this is your place? I want to answer perhaps by going in the side door. And um, my faith says that right here and right now, I'm exactly what God needs me to be. Nothing more nothing less. Otherwise, I wouldn't be this way right here, right now. So I don't identify with concepts like brokenness. I don't say I am broken. I don't want to be the brokenness. I say I've experienced brokenness and I learn from brokenness. So 
this idea of, of being what God needs to be, God needs me to be, is about simply recognizing that I'm perfect in this moment. I'm not perfect, but I'm perfect in this moment for what God needs me to be. And you are and everyone else is with our imperfections and our weaknesses and our struggles and our griefs, our joys, our pains and sorrows. We're exactly where God needs us to be. No explanation necessary. So that, that's actually very helpful for me because I was going to ask, it sounded, when you said I am what God needs me to be, that sounded like divine justification for anything. Um, you know, I am a totally intolerant human being and totally selfish and so on. Oh, there you go. I am what God needs me to be. But it sounds like you're not using this as divine justification. You're saying with our perfection and imperfection. Is that right? That's right. The, you know, I'm not going to say that I understand God's plan or have glimpsed the blueprint because that's just not true. Um, so I'm not going to be able to answer why does evil exist or why do intolerant people, you know, lead governments or organizations and why misogyny exists and why um, people don't understand the concept of Black Lives Matter. I, I, I can't explain that in, in divine terms, but I understand that this is how the world is and it's my job in a sense to, to relate to the world as it is. I, I really appreciate that because a lot of your writing, especially in this book, seems to me to be about that presence not necessarily exploring mysteries which we can't answer, but about presence in the moment and presence uh, in relationship with other people. And so I wonder, is that essentially, coming back to the original question about prayer, is it for you that, that relationship with the now? Yeah, great insight and great question. My... Um prayer practice and my belief is that Jewish spirituality is about recognizing that God is right here, right now. That's, you know, that's what happened um, with uh, Jacob's ladder when, you know, Jacob wakes up and, and suddenly says, wow, God was here all along, but I didn't know it. So, God being right here, right now, prayer reminds me of that. And I just keep falling asleep. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, that's fascinating because, I mean, that, that, that quotation from Jacob is, I didn't know it, but it was right in front of me. But if I did know it, if I truly lived it, wouldn't that be terrifying, awesome, um, overwhelming? You know, that the old midrash of an angel calling to each blade of grass to grow. If you really heard it, every single angel calling to every single blade of grass, you'd go crazy with the immediacy of God's presence. So how do we how do we balance that? Yeah. Um, holiness, the experience of holiness, another big word. 
The experience of holiness is not simple and it's not all rainbows and trumpets and angels. Um, I, have a, I have a passage in the piece uh, in the book, uh, This, this uh, Precious Life. I have a, a passage from a, a piece about Moses uh, on the mountain and it ends, holiness leaves a mark on the soul. God's voice leaves a crack in the heart. There is no bomb, only fleeting moments of solitude and stillness. God's call can be beautiful and it can be terrifying. Um, every single clergy member, religious educator, uh, church administrator, you know, priest, deacon, you name it, had a calling to serve God in some way. And they woke up one morning and realized in the midst of this COVID thing, this plague, that everything they thought about how they were gonna serve God is different. They are gonna serve God in almost none of the ways they expected to serve in their ministry and they're making up new stuff as they go. And that's a divine call that shifts everything and it leaves a mark and it, 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 for some clergy, it, it hurts, it's painful. It's, and, and in part because their flock is suffering so much. So then does Alden Solary, liturgist and, um, and prayer author, does he hear a call? Mm. Yeah, I got the call long ago. I got on the boat to Tarshish. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm referring to uh, Jonah who runs away from the call. Um, I actually thought that I was called to be a rabbi. Um, the rabbi that I spoke to actually thought otherwise <laughs> and told me so. Uh, it was a painful moment. And uh, so I, I turned away for a while. But... The call really was to serve the Jewish world and the entire um, praying community by writing, by bringing prayer. I just didn't know it until about 12 years ago. I find it, I find it fascinating because I, I have a science background. And so for me, and, and I used to come from a fairly conservative movement uh, in, in England, um, so for me, it was like the prayers. Here are the prayers. Read the prayers. Recite the prayers. Do them properly. Get them right. And, and then, then God hears. And maybe it's being in Santa Fe for six and a half years, which is the sort of spot of America, um, just to give it a bit of uh, context for you being in Israel. Um, the, it's this mystical, special place where people slow down and stop and think. And now suddenly I'm like, oh, it's in poetry. It's in art. It's in music. It's that spirituality expression doesn't have to be a piece of liturgy which you recite properly 
or you know, appropriately. It's, it's those differing perspectives of, of kavana, isn't it? There's that perspective of kavana as getting everything right, the intention of getting everything right, and then there's the kavana of, but you have to feel it, you have to believe it. And I really, as I read your work and, and others, I really get that sense of, you know, look at the biblical tradition, look at all the poetry, look at the Psalms, it's all there. This is also a really important way of, of meeting God or, or finding ourselves in God. So for me, I, I find it fascinating. Maybe I wonder if you can just talk about that relationship between, before we take our break, but between poetry and prayer. Yeah, it's a great question. One I have struggled with. I identify as a liturgist and, and not as a poet, although recently I've started um, adding poet into um, that thinking and um, the bio. Uh, both prayer and poetry use poetic device, um, rhythm, punctuation, word choice, all of the things you'd expect. I would say that the poet's mission is to illuminate the world. And the liturgist's mission is to transform the world. The poet describes emotion where the liturgist changes emotion. The poet attempts to find essential truth and the liturgist attempts to profess essential truths. Um, poets distill, liturgists expand. Um, I think the poet writes to speak and the liturgist writes to be heard. Um, with the poet, God is optional and with the liturgist, God is essential. I think that. But that... the tools are fundamental. Go, go on, please, please. The tools are fundamentally the same. But they're speaking in different voices, <clears throat> complementary voices, but with different aims. I, I think that 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 way of, of splitting that up and explaining that, I think that was extremely helpful. That's really illuminating, actually. Thank so you. what we're going to do is we, we need to take a break. Um, and uh, when we come back, I, I perhaps want to talk about um, the, the concept of what writing liturgy has done to you and also this idea of holiness, which you mentioned before. I hope that we might explore a little more of that. So you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and my guest this evening, Alden Solovey, American Israeli liturgist and author, poet maybe. Um, and uh, we, will, uh, we will come back after this break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom here in Santa Fe in New Mexico. My guest this evening, Alden Solary, American-Israeli liturgist and author. And we've been having this fascinating conversation about uh, including the difference between prayer and liturgy or poetry, sorry, poetry and liturgy. And you mentioned the experience of holiness before. And I once read uh, you had a sort of mission statement of bringing holiness into the world through prayer, adventure, joy and wonder. And, and I, I wonder if you can share what that means to you, because that's such a, a fascinating statement. Yeah, so I, I have a, this written mission statement, which I've shared with you. I bring holiness into the world through prayer, adventure, joy, and wonder, which I formulated uh, in my work as a uh, 
member of and a leader in Mankind Project, which is uh, an international organization um, for lack of a, a better shorthand, building better men, bringing men in connection with their, their emotions and their sense of who they are and, and hopefully bringing men out in the world with a sense of mission. So I, I composed this mission. And what it means to me is that I make choices in my day which relate to this statement. So I pray. I bring holiness into the world by praying. I bring holiness into the world by creating prayer, by being an example of joy. Now, that took me a long time to get from actually putting it on paper and, and embodying it and living it. Um, adventure and wonder is just what I love in terms of the outdoors and hiking and mountaineering and, and, and just being in nature, which we have an abundance of here in Israel. I, I believe that we can, each of us, bring, draw, more holiness into the world through our behavior, through our attitudes, through our interactions with one another, through getting the self out of the way and making room for, as I said before, right relationship with God, self, and others. You know, I, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying about, it's joy that sticks for me right now. Because, because of the pandemic, because so many people are suffering, so many people are struggling, so many people are depressed, uh, isolated, lonely. Um, what does it mean to find joy in a, in a time like this? Finding joy for me has been in the practice of gratitude in writing a daily gratitude list, in sharing gratitude with others, in praying my gratitude to God. You know, joy and happiness aren't the same thing. And they, they, for me, live in different parts of my body. I feel them in different parts of my body. I express joy in relationship And there has to be room in our prayers and in our lives for suffering, for sorrow, for pain, for acknowledging what the other person is going through. And um, just because it's in my written uh, mission statement that, you know, it's, it's my aspiration to, to be a source of joy, I'll confess that I'm not always a source of joy. I'm another human being. I'm a guy, you know, who's just doing his best. And, you know, as long as that's what we're doing is our best, I hope that's enough. I, I really appreciate that answer because I guess when I asked, it was about how do we find joy and your response is how do I bring joy or how do I express joy? And that's, that's a very different thing. You know, when you were talking, you reminded me of the, uh, of the prayer, Nekavim Nekavim, um, which for some of our listeners is, is a prayer that we recite whenever we go to the bath. Um, uh, it's also a prayer we recite in the morning that basically just says, you know, if it weren't for the fact that these 
parts of my body were open or closed correctly. I couldn't even stand. I couldn't even do that. And I remember bringing that prayer um, in, in, I guess it was about 2006, 2007, um, in England, they were, they were trying to bring that prayer back into the Siddur. And a lot of rabbis and colleagues in England said, we don't need that. We don't need prayers for the bathroom. That's gross. And I said to them, look, my community, as it was back then, which was a very a strong retirement community, I said, for my members of the community, it's a miracle that it works every day. Um, you know, when you, when you don't see that special thing, when, when you take it for granted, then fine. But when you get to 90 years old and, and it's still working or it's starting to not work, parts of the body are really not working, you, then there's that different sense of joy, of which I, I really pick up from you, of that sense of, I can't believe I'm even here. You know, even if life is tough, even if it's really difficult, especially right now, the fact that I can experience how difficult it is helps bring joy of some sort, perhaps. Yeah, I'll tell you a story, if, if, uh, if I may. Hmm. Um, so I had 10 pretty difficult years. My two best, closest male friends passed away. Um, there was a fire. I had a personal cancer scare. There were other family members who passed away. And, and in this, um, my wife, uh, Zikron Olibracha, blessed memory, um, died of traumatic brain injury. Now, underneath that, I'm sad to say she, she died of, of alcoholism and drug abuse that were the result of, of severe trauma as a child. And, and she may have, we don't know, she may have committed suicide. We, we just don't really know. Um, six months after my wife died of traumatic brain injury, my mother fell, hit her head and had traumatic brain injury. Now she's fine. Um, but at the moment, in that moment, 12 years ago, um, we didn't know how she was gonna be. So I suffered with a great deal of grief and pain and anguish, guilt over my wife's death. Um, and I began writing prayers really just to save my own life. It was one healing prayer after the next, after the next, after the next, in a sense, clawing my way up from deep, deep grief. I, I considered myself the grief guy for a long, long time. And uh, I consider myself the joy guy now, finally. And I think some of that is simple grace. I'm so moved by what you just shared. Um, and I guess, I guess it leads me to ask, if, if writing liturgy helped you claw out in these especially difficult times, what would you recommend in terms of writing for people who are listening and who are struggling? What kind of, what kind of practice, liturgical practice, would you recommend from your experience that might help lift them out of their difficulty right now? Yeah, thank you for that. So every morning is part of my prayer practice, which goes anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours a morning. Um, 
I have a writing component and I start by writing down today, I am aware that. Every time it starts today, I'm aware of that. And I just bullet point my awarenesses without judgment. Things that feel good, things that feel bad, how I'm you know, relating with friends, physical aches and pains, physical joys, just all my awarenesses. And that aspect is to honor my humanity, where I am right here, right now, um, my sorrows, my joys. Then, I write the word gratitude and I make a list of at least 10 things I'm grateful for. Now they can be the same thing as yesterday or different things. They can be expansive uh, things like I'm, I'm grateful for love and joy that I've experienced today. Or they can be little things like my kettle because some days I don't have enough gratitude to go beyond. I've got a roof, I've got a kettle. Um, but 10 things of gratitude. And then I write down my intentions, put the word intention, my intentions for myself today. Often that just includes smile twice, remember to breathe a couple of times. And I find just doing that, just honoring my humanity and recognizing um, that there are things to be grateful for. And I do have a few things to do in a day might be, might be just enough. I say the serenity prayer every morning. I say the prayer you mentioned, Asher Yatsar, Kolin Kolin, along with Elohai Nishama, which is the right afterwards, the prayer that, that, um, is about the beauty of having a soul. And a prayer doesn't have to be more than a word or a thought or two words. So maybe at the end of a little writing, say a prayer, please help God, please help. That is, I mean, that's so wonderful to be able to impart that and share that. Um, to help people frame how they might express themselves. Because sometimes, you know, people just want to go out into the woods and just shout. And it's like, oh, there's so much going on in my life. But to be able to, to take those three things, today I'm aware that, then at least 10 things of gratitude, and then the intentions takes us from our grounding to, to our appreciation and yes, of course, as you say, you know, sometimes there are days like, wow, I, I just don't know. I don't know what I've got to be thankful for. But I love the way that, you're, that you said at least 10 things to say, no, I have to force myself to find these things. And other days it's not forced at all. Of course, it's obvious. But I, I, and then to, to move to intentions. I think that is a real gift that you've helped round off our show with, um, because I think that will provide a lot of comfort and support for a lot of people. Thank you. So um, you've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, Alden Solovey, American-Israeli liturgist and author. It's been wonderful having you with us. Thank you. And I, I do hope we can talk again. Thanks, Neil. I'd love that. Thanks, Rabbi. So you've been listening to Soul Searching uh, Rabbi, with Rabbi Neil from Temple Beth Shalom from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.